Hey, welcome folks. Glad to be with you by this tool and means that we have to share life with you right now. It's different, isn't it? It's very uh, out of our comfort zone, at least mine. And But it's a joy to be able to come and share with you. When Pastor Tim asked if I might share with us today out of Joshua chapter 3, I was really excited because this has some wonderful things for us to learn and discover as we explore some of the wonderful things that the Word of God has to say to us. Let me just take a moment, if you will, and kind of review where we've been. Uh, we've been in chapter 1, where in chapter 1 we began to have this word spoken to Joshua and Joshua began to be the new leader of Israel. It was a daunting task. It was one that I'm sure he felt like kind of shaken in my boots. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to go forward with it. And so the Lord began to encourage him by speaking these simple words to him, but they're profound. He says, be strong and courageous. And the second time he says it, and a third time he says it, and toward the end of the chapter, the people are responding back to him as well after they've heard what the Lord had led him to be and to do, that they are turning to him now and say, be strong and courageous, Joshua. That's a statement for each one of us right now in these times and these seasons. Be strong and courageous, not in my own ability, but in God's. And that's something we could rest in and as it were, take to the bank and know that God will be there for us as he takes us through and presses through the things in our life. And then we followed that in Joshua chapter 2, where spies were sent into the land, into Jericho. And it's a fascinating story, filled with a lot of nuances and little kind of tweaks and things like that. But something that I, I, I was noticing as I was reviewing again and listening to Pastor Tim's uh, message on it, was how the Lord arranged two interesting aspects to occur in that time. They go and they end up staying in a prostitute's house. And there's two things that occur in that setting, many more, but two I want to emphasize. One is that this lady made a strong declaration of faith in Jehovah God. Not the God she usually served, not the God that was a part of who she was or where she lived, but in a God that she'd heard about. That's all she knew. She heard about this God that did great and mighty things on Israel's behalf. And she makes that statement back to the two spies. And so thereby doing and making a statement that we would usually term and say, that's really kind of a call of salvation, that she makes a response to say, I believe in your God. And when you come to attack, I would like to be able to be spared. And so they made the arrangements to make that all happen. And the second thing that I see in that chapter is that the spies were encouraged. You know, when the spies heard from her, hey guys, you don't realize how we're feeling about you guys, how you're coming toward our city is impacting us. We're scared to death. We don't know what to do. And Jericho was a very formidable place. We'll be studying and looking that closer later on. But it was a very formidable place. And so by outward appearance, it would appear like, what are you scared of? We're just a bunch of people out here, kind of a, a ragtag group of, of military people that don't have a lot of training and things like that. We're just kind of together here. But what they'd heard is what their God had done on their behalf. See, when God gets in the picture, he displays who he is to everybody around him. And that's the beauty of our God. 
So it brings us to chapter three today, and I'm excited to look at this chapter with you, and I know that it'll be a blessing in both of our lives as we consider it. But allow me to paint a little bit of a um, back picture, as it were, backdrop for us as we consider about this, this particular chapter. As I looked at it, I, I thought of three different things, three aspects, three parts that I'd like to offer to us. And I wanna put it in the context of a runner's race. Many of us have maybe participated, well, not me. I was never a runner and uh, I would run, but I wasn't a runner. It wasn't definitely, well, never mind which place I took. But uh, there's a lot of people that are, they're very good at what they do, but you'll remember the announcer's words that are usually spoken prior to the start of the race. He will say something like, on your mark, get set, go, or the gun will be shot. And the people go and they run. And it's a marvelous, beautiful thought because when I look at this chapter, that's what I see happening here. There's a preparation time and there's a time of getting set and then there's a time to go. And I want to talk with you today about crossing to take new ground. As we've been talking about taking the new ground in going into the, the area that God had given to them as a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, that they didn't have even a concept of what did that mean, what did that look like, but that God was saying, this is for you. And as they began to go forward, they began to explore that, and, uh, but it took steps to get there. And so I wanna take a moment with you today, and let's look at those steps toward making that crossing over this very formidable uh, area called a Jordan River. Just like many of us right now, we're facing our own Jordans. It could be called COVID-19 could be called uh, finances. It may be calling uh, relationships. There could be strains in all kinds of ways of our life right now that any one of us are facing that we're looking at saying, how do I get across this? How do I get to the other side? Well, hang with me for the next few minutes because I think there could be some things that will be of help to us as we consider how we move forward in this particular time. As we look at the fact of taking new ground, and we look at how Pastor has been referencing that and bringing us through that thought and consideration. As we look at these three aspects, I wanna note this. On your mark is gonna give us instructions in how to prepare. I don't know about you, but when Kathy and I get ready to uh, go on a trip, there's always an advanced time that we've gotta do a bunch of things. And uh, we, we were preparing for a, a trip in May uh, it ain't happening now, but uh, we were getting checking our passports and we were looking at, at uh, what clothes we need to take, what about a luggage and all those kind of things. Many different things that needed to be done for us to prepare for that opportunity to uh, make that trip. But so there's a preparation time. There's preparations that God gave the people before they could cross this formidable obstacle that was in front of them. Secondly, it was to get set. There were final words of encouragement that God spoke to Joshua, to the priests, and to the people. And we'll look at what those are and how they can apply into our lives as well. And then finally, the point came where it was time to go. They had to obey. 
and they had to step out in faith that God meant what he said and would accomplish what he said he would do. In the same way, let's as we review these three things, join with me as we look at Joshua chapter 3. It's going to be on, on your screen for you, but you can also follow in your Bible. I'm going to be using the New uh, Living Translation, so if it's a little different than what your reading might be, that would help you understand that. So early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Wow. Quite a statement of what they were to do and how they were to proceed and to walk forward. I want to focus on two things in this portion of scripture that I believe will be helpful to us. It says, first of all, you're to keep your eyes on the people you're to follow. Namely, in this situation, the priests. And particularly, the item they were carrying, and that was the Ark of the Covenant. It was to remind the people that you keep your focus on who God is and where God is at. Such valuable information for us to be reminded of at, again, this time in our lives, when we need to keep our focus directed on who is God? Where is God? Well, he's where he's always been, right beside us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us, according to the scriptures. Over and over again, it reminds us, I'm not going to go someplace else. I'm not going to retreat from a virus or from financial responsibilities or relational difficulties or anything else in our lives. He says, I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to see you through to the very end. What a comfort, what an assurance, what a positive thing for us to look at and to realize that God is going to be there to help us in as we process through. But the people had to keep their eyes on the priests. Where they go, the people were to go and to follow. And as I look at that, I begin to realize they, have, they are starting a change in what they do in their lives. See, prior to all this time, they were constantly watching either a pillar of fire at night or a cloud during the day. And that was their symbol of God's leadership and direction and guidance. Now it was changing. Why? Because they were going into a new land and a new setting. And as classically we use the term today, there's a new normal. And as none of us understand what our new normal might be, let alone the new normal we're in, <laughs> and as things change as we progress forward, we may not know what it's going to look like then. But the important thing is not what is it going to be, but who am I following? And when we settle that in our hearts, I'm going to follow God because God knows how to get me where I need to be. The interesting thing in here, it's an interesting little statement. It says, you've never gone this way before. 
And how many of us could say the same thing right now? You know, we're looking at our lives say, I've never been in this kind of situation before. I've never had to deal with these kind of things before. But we are. So we keep our eyes on Jesus. The scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, he says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, when we keep our eyes on Jesus and focus in on him and where he's guiding us to go, then he will be like we often quote from Psalm 23. He's our shepherd and he knows how to guide us. He knows how to lead us. He knows how to restore us. He knows how to heal us. And therefore, we keep our eyes focused with him and upon him, and God will bring us to where he wants us to be. So they need to focus their eyes upon the priests and where they're going. The second thing in this scripture is that they need to purify themselves. Very simple little comment. Other words that are used in conjunction with the same word in the Hebrew is also consecrate or sanctify, set apart are all terms that are used throughout this Old Testament scriptures when the Hebrew word for purify is used. And it's simply saying, I'm setting my part, my life apart on behalf of God, ready so that he can use and do through me whatever he wants. I'm his. You know, when Kathy and I got married, we each pledged to one another that very kind of thing, where he said, I'm yours, Kathy. She said back, Gary, I'm yours. And we began to make that pledged back and forth to one another. And we began to see the grace of God begin to direct us in what we went through and how we processed through toward the Lord. So we're set apart for and to God. Prior to this time, one of the things that they would do, often this term is used about cleaning clothes. Get your clothes all clean and then you begin to go forth. So there's different applications to use about this in different settings of the scripture. But I want to also bring out an application for you and me. How do we do this today? And I want to offer two scriptures to you that I believe can be a help to you. And they'll be on the screen in just a moment for you to be able to observe and follow with me. But in Psalm 139, it speaks of there that God search me, search my heart, search my life, check me out. Now, I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes when I pray that kind of prayer, it's kind of like, I'm not sure what he's going to say. <laughs> What's he going to see? If God's all-knowing, there's nothing I can hide. But you know, the interesting thing about God is he isn't out to gouge me. He isn't out to hurt me. He isn't out to try to find some big, huge thing that he really wants to hit me with in my life. He loves me. He loves you, and he loves where you're at. And so anything he begins to point out to us about our own lives, and about our hearts, our attitudes, our words, our thoughts, is only to help us grow in our understanding of him and to display him more fully and more completely with our lives. So allow your heart to open up to God today. Say, Lord, search me. See if there's anything in my life that you need to work on in these days I have to be captivated at home anyway, and for most of us. And so, Lord, turn the searchlight on and check me out. And then reveal that to me so that I can be able to make right what I need to. And then we go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Beautiful verse. It says this, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all 
wickedness. Everything that's not what it should be before God. God is just waiting for the opportunity to say, Gary, just bring it to me. Let me deal with it. Let me invite you to join me in that. Bring it to Jesus. Whatever you see in your life that's not what it should be. Even your fears, it doesn't always have to be some gross sin you've done. But even our fears, anything that begins to bring a disconnect between ourselves and God, bring that to Him and allow Him the opportunity to make it right in us. That's the whole concept of purifying. So the idea of focusing on the priests and the ark and purifying ourselves, and they only had a night to do it. Because tomorrow we're going to be moving on, guys. So they had this night to do this as they begin to pray, uh, pray and go forward in the preparation process. God was wanting to do something unique for them. The promise that Joshua had given them that we read in verse 5 was purify yourselves because tomorrow God's going to display who he is. Wow. I imagine the different thoughts that could go through people's minds at that moment. Uh, wondering, what's it going to look like? What's he going to do? How's he going to do it? And so forth. And they didn't know. They didn't know what it was going to look like. And we'll look at that in a moment, see the rest of the chapter. But it was an anticipation. God was ready to move. God is ready to move on your behalf right now, too. Open up your heart. Trust him. Because God's ready to move in faith to your response of faith in him. The second thing I find in here is get set. How do I ready myself for what God wants to do in my life? And I want to submit to you, the way you do that is learn to hear, to listen to, and meditate on the words of God. It's all about God's word and what it has to say and how it begins to minister into our lives. Now, those of you that are following along in your Bibles and all you're going to look at this and you say, hey, you're skipping verse 6. No, we'll get that in just a minute. Okay, we'll come back to it. But I want to start in verse 7, and it says this way in Joshua 3. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, Parasites, Gergashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord, of the whole earth will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one of each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. Wow. What a statement for people to begin to grab onto for their lives. There's three things offered in here as well. First of all, God's word to Joshua. You know, leaders need to hear from God. And I don't mean that in any accusing fashion. But we never need to assume 
that anybody in spiritual leadership or oversight is someone that doesn't need to take the time of the Lord. And I want to encourage us with something. First of all, all of us that have leadership in our lives, you may be a part of Santa Maria Foursquare Church, or you may be a part of another church or another gathering. Let me encourage you, pray for your spiritual leaders, please. Having been in that role before on many occasions, and having been a senior pastor before and then associate pastor, listen, it's not always easy. You know, it may be interesting or watching us as we stand up before you or we sit before you like this, and it looks like, man, they've got it together. Man, they, they don't have any problems. They, they don't relate with what I'm going to. Uh, sorry to burst your bubble, but not true. We go through the same difficulties, challenges, problems, questions, fears, and doubts at times as anybody else may. And But we turn to the Lord as we encourage others to do too. There's the need to be able to do that. So God speaks to Joshua here. And he begins to give him an understanding of what God was planning to do with the next day or what that day was really going to hold for him. God would be validating Joshua's leadership before the people. See, let me speak to the spiritual leaders that you may be listening to today. And not that everybody has to tune out right now. But uh, let me say this to you. God is the one in these days who will reveal his hand is on your life and your leadership. Rest and be at peace with that truth. Spiritual leaders, my, my heart, I, I've got a big heart for spiritual leaders in my life because I've had to walk through so much in my life. And I know the difficulties, the challenges that you may face, but God is with you. And God is going to give you his rest. He is going to give you his peace. Let he, may he refresh you today and minister his life freshly into you in new ways. And then God spoke and continued with Joshua, telling him, he says, tell the priest to take a few steps into the river and stop. Whoa, huh? What? You know, wait a minute. And he begins to give this discourse in very simple terms to Joshua of instructions of what he is to pass on. You know, it's interesting to me that they come along and, and they're told to go across this river, but they're trying to get to the edge of it and there's a stop. And I don't know if you've ever had this encounter, but there's sometimes in my life where the Lord just kind of comes along and says, I want you to go do this. But when you are about to do it, stop. Huh? Now think of a racer and a runner that all of a sudden they begin to get going and they've been getting on their mark, they've got set, and now the, the gun goes off and they're ready to go. And then somebody says, stop. You know, it's like, uh, I can imagine everybody falling over one another and falling on the ground because they're in mid course of movement and things like that. And it's almost like, what do you do? How do you stop? And it's interesting to me how God sometimes gives us the pause button and we stop and we slow down. But God is always in the pause, always. And you may feel as though you're in a pause period of your life right now. Let me assure you, while it appears that way, God is still moving on your behalf. 
He is still orchestrating things. He's still putting things together the way he wants it done. And he will accomplish his purpose and plan in you and then through you. Rest in that and trust him with it. Secondly, I find that Joshua comes along here and he speaks to the priests and his instruction to them was to <clears throat> begin to follow in their leadership and how they were to step out and do things. Again, may I speak with a little bit to our spiritual leaders and the rest of us that pray for all of your spiritual leaders that you may have in your life. Never assume, hey, they've got it together. They know what's going on. Pray for them. We need to support them in that and believe for God to minister into them. And let me also encourage you to do this. Can I encourage you to, every once in a while, let your pastor or your spiritual leaders that's part in your life, drop them a note. Just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, the message you gave really touched my heart. Here's how, what it meant to me. Give those words of encouragement, just like you like it, when somebody says the same things to you. Pass that on. Why? Because it is practicing something we want people to do to us. Scripture says you do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Practice that with your spiritual leaders. There's a value in doing so. So the priests were told, here's what you're to do. Go forward and begin to wait by the banks there before you begin to cross over with Joshua's leadership. The third group that Joshua spoke to was the people. He repeats to them what God has said, rehearsing the word of the Lord is very, very important. And in these days and times, we really need to know that. We need to know what is God saying and what has he said and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. I often tell people, if you've got to take in a portion of scripture that means something special to you at this time and season, and you have to read it a hundred times a day, then read it a hundred times a day. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a symbol of your doubts overriding the truth. Instead, what you're doing is you're overriding your doubts with the truth. And I want to encourage you to practice making a habit, letting the Word of God be in you and spoken through you because it'll breathe life into you. But Joshua speaks to the people and says, today you're going to know the living God is with us. You're going to know it today. You're going to see it clearly. And and I love the part that it throws in here. It says, hey, don't worry about any of the ites in the land. Yeah, there's a bunch of them there listed. And we read them before. But don't worry about it. And because God's with you. God's got this. God's got things under control. And whatever it is you may be looking at in your life right now, God's got it in control. Keep your eyes on the, on, on the ark. The physical focus for their faith in God is what he began to encourage the people with doing. Don't forget, keep your eyes focused. And let me encourage us, keep our eyes focused on Jesus and his word and let his power begin to make a difference into your life. I remember uh, years ago, um, somebody making the comment says, if you hide the word of God in your heart when you don't need it, you will have it there when you do. Very interesting thing. Sometimes we read the Bible and we think, well, what good's this? You know, what, what, what will this do? Well, I remember my son when he was in high school, you know, he came home complaining to me. <clears throat> Not that he did that all the time. Well, anyway, uh, what he did was he was complaining about, said, Dad, I don't get the 
get why I have to take geometry. I'm never going to use this. It's never going to be good in any good in my life. And, and so, you know, why do I have to take this? And I said, well, because it's there. And I'll, I know, very typical parental statement, comment back. Well, the interesting thing was later on in life, what did he do? He was involved in construction. What did he use? Geometry almost every, all the, every day. And all fascinating how that was. We never know what we're hiding into our hearts of the Word of God that one day the Holy Spirit's going to say, Hey, do you remember this? You remember this in the Bible? And he's going to draw it out to our understanding at that moment precisely what we need to see us through what we're facing then. So let the Word of God germinate within you and see what the power of God of reading and listening and meditating on the Word of God. Well, last but not least, let's get to the go part, okay? The go part is really having to do with the obedience that we need to follow through with and see the power and grace of God accomplished. So let's go back to the scriptures. Verse 6, In the morning Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. Verse 14, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the dead, the bed to sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. The last verse. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Let me give you a couple of quick points as we close together. First of all, the people had to leave the camp. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but sometimes when God speaks into my life, it's kind of like said, Gary, you got to let go of this to embrace this. I don't know that I always like that, frankly. Yeah, I'm not always sure because I'm used to this. What is this going to look like? But sometimes God says, if you'll trust me to let go of these things, I'll help you embrace this. Sometimes in our lives, that's what the people really had to do here. They had to let go of where they were at, the camp, and now move into areas and places and see what the Lord would do with it. Also, again, we have the priests leading the way. And they had to be able to be the ones that step out into the water and begin to move forward with that. Let me say this. I, I'm very thankful for here at, at Santa Maria Foursquare for our pastors, Tim and Kelly Mossholder. And uh, they are a blessing to us. And I cheer you, I'm sure you would say amen to that. Go right ahead, do so. And, uh, because they are. And we're grateful for their leadership and what God has blessed us through them to be. And again, would you take the opportunity of continuing to pray and support them, encourage them as God directs you to do. 
So the priests began to lead forth. The third thing, and this is the, the biggie that we got to come to, the river, okay? The river. It's overflowing. Some say that normal uh, distance across the river would have been somewhere around maybe a thousand feet across the river at the point where they were crossing. Some others estimate that at overflow time, it could be as much as a half a mile. So you're looking at a very formidable thing. It's not going to be something that's kind of wade into and, hey, we'll kind of keep our heads above the water and get across. No, they're going to have to really have something of a change that takes place. But God's got this. He causes the water to stand up like a wall approximately 19 miles north upstream. 19 miles. And then approximately about five miles south down to the Dead Sea. When you put those together, it's roughly 24, 25 miles. And so I was I was interested. I'm, I'm one of these kind of guys, so a little, a little anal in this kind of aspect. But so I had to look up on Google Maps and all kind of give me a, a reference point. And that approximates about going out in Santa Maria anyway, going out to the 101 at Main Street and traveling north all the way up to Avila turnoff is approximately the distance that that would be like. That's humongous. It's huge. And the scripture tells us that God causes the waters toward the north to pile up in a wall. And it's supernaturally, God begins to bring this about. Now, the thought that came into my mind was, I wonder if it's if it's similar as Israel did to Jericho that Jericho does with Israel. I wonder if there isn't some people up in the mountain. I can't prove this by scripture, okay? But it's just my imagination for a moment. What if there's a couple of spies in the mountain watching all this take place? And they're seeing what's going on and their eyes are bugging out as they see this water just move. I mean, they've never seen anything like this. Talk about being afraid, talk about being overwhelmed with who is this person that's on these people's side? Who is this God that they serve that does all these things? Whatever the case might have been. But God begins to bring this across. And then as the uh, priests step out, they step in there and the water begins to recede. How long did it take? We don't know. How long was it before it was all done? It began to go. But as it piled up, they begin to go across and they continue progressing forward until they're in the middle of where the waters were and the riverbed. And the people began to go, keeping about a half a mile's social distancing, <laughs> to use the phrase, and all from them as God prescribed. And they began to walk around where the ark was and they began to progress as they move forward. It's estimated that there may have been upwards of two million people that had to cross. That's roughly about 20 times more people than in the city of Santa Maria. Wow, that's a lot of people to get across. And they kept this social distancing aspect and they kept going and they had the focus point of keeping their eyes on where the ark was. It's an amazing thing of what God brought about and brought into being. And the priests, as they stood there, the scripture says, that they stood as all these people got across and this distancing and everything like this. And they stood on there until everybody passed by and they passed by 
on dry ground. Now, I don't know about you. I've been to the beach a lot of times because I enjoy it uh, and, and like to be down there. But I've never gone to the beach where the, the tide is out and you look at the sand along there and it's still moist, isn't it? And you look at that and think, oh man, okay, the water's been up to this level, this part, and it's receded back and gone back to where it needs to be. And it's still moist. And, mo and But God says here, the word, that it was dry ground. And they walked across on that. And God brings that about. It's a marvelous thing because the people kept their eyes on God. God got them across. So what do we do with all this? Let me share this with you as we close. Number one is, what is God saying to each of us that we need to do to prepare for our future? I can't answer that for you. I need to answer it for me. Let this be a preparatory time because God is going to reveal his power and glory in our lives. Secondly, what scriptures and words from God do I need to rehearse and remind myself about? Don't let go of the word of God. Let it feed you and encourage you and strengthen you. And third is what are the truths God is teaching us now that we want to continue to implement when this quarantine time is over? See, it's more than just let's go th get through the mess so I can move on. But no, I want to grow through the mess that I'm in right now because God has something even better for me into the future. One thing in my life uh, is to be more open to the new normal that I believe God wants for my life. I don't know what that looks like, but I want to be open to whatever he has. He wants to see me live in that I, that I can live that I've never lived in before. You know, the old saying that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, you know, God is saying, okay, old dude, you know, you can learn some new tricks and new things that I have for you to do. I pray that you'd be open with that as well. Pray with me, would you? Father, open up our hearts as we come before you. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Rehearse your word and let it be life into us. And then be available and open to what the future will look like in each of our lives. Because you got this. You're not deserting us. You're not forsaking us. You are with us. And Lord, we give you thanks for that this day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Can I speak this blessing to you, familiar to many of us? But I want to speak it over you today. Out of Numbers chapter 6, it reads this way. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Then he says this, Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. I believe that for you today. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today.